CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Edit audio. Hello, and welcome to Confessions, a podcast by Cosmo, where your secrets are safe with us. My name is Mia Lardier, and today I am joined by my guest co-host, Cosmo's senior entertainment editor, Emma Baby. Hi! Hi, Emma. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, So in this podcast, we respond to anonymous confessions by our readers with a guest expert to try and kind of give advice and some direction for this reader. In the spirit of confessions, do you have something that you want to confess today? Yes. I have something to get off my chest. It wasn't me, but it was something that happened around me. Okay. Okay. So I was at dinner last night with my boyfriend. It was our anniversary. We picked like a nice place, you know, Mm -hmm. like linen tablecloths etc so there's a couple sitting next to me I can't tell what their vibe is like are you on a date are you just friends meeting up for happy hour whatever so I'm like scanning these people out of my like periphery sure and I noticed that the guy is not wearing shoes oh oh like I I, like scanned down and I was imagine my surprise I like gas so I was like right oh my god his shoes are on the floor and he's like crisscross applesauce right in the chair and I just did not know how to process that. Were there any other details about this man that feel relevant to this story? Yes. He, at one point, asked the waiter for white pepper specifically. Oh. Not black pepper. White pepper. White pepper. Okay. And he was Australian. Australian. I don't know if that matters. But yeah. But it feels, it feels like maybe it does. Australians, right. like, I can see how you'd be, like, a no-shoes culture. Right. Yes. We've seen at least one of the Hemsworth brothers at a gas station yes. without their shoes on. So maybe that is... The culture. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, it's confusing to me. I see how it might be confusing to you. <laughs> I don't know when he, he must have put his shoes back on, like, right as the check came. I'm right. not even sure. But right. Yeah, I had to get that off my chest. Well, happy anniversary. Um, <laughs> I hope it was a memorable one, and it certainly, I think, will be after that uh, that experience there with no shoes, man. Yeah, our shoes stayed on for the record. Oh, okay, good. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I'm not quite sure how to pivot from No Shoes Man to this confession, but I think he and our reader have one thing in common. They're both wearing it all. Our reader is looking over the fence at her future with reservations about having children. It just looks hard, and women are still shouldering most of the labor that comes with it. Oh, and we just want to point out that our listener talks about parenting in terms of a cis relationship, and so we'll focus on that dynamic in this episode. But of course, all kinds of people can have and raise kids. All right, Confessions Robot, let's hear what she has to say. When I think about becoming a parent, I wish I could be a dad instead of a mom. I saw this sentiment on Twitter a few months ago and haven't stopped thinking about it since. I witnessed the primal scream of parents, let's face it, mostly mothers during the pandemic, where it seemed like every resource that makes parenting manageable was stripped away, and I thought to myself, I could literally never do that. And even now, with many of those resources restored, 
Many of the moms I know or follow seem really unhappy. No offense to moms, you have every right to feel however you want, and the dads seem mostly fine. Shocker! How do I avoid letting the internet fear-monger me into not becoming a parent? And how do I keep an open mind when every part of me is feeling closed off? Elaine Multaroth is an award-winning journalist, TV host, and the author of the instant New York Times bestselling book, More Than Enough, which won the 2020 NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Literary Work. At age 29, she was named the youngest editor-in-chief in Condé Nast history. Under her leadership, Teen Vogue evolved into a platform that elevates marginalized voices and amplifies political discourse. Elaine can now be seen on Television Weekly, doling out fashion industry advice as a judge on Bravo's Project Runway. Her masterclass on redesigning your career debuted in 2021 and has helped thousands of people navigate career transitions. Her popular new advice column, Ask Elaine, appears in the Washington Post, exploring how to navigate pivots in life with more ease and less angst. In addition to the Washington Post, her writing appears in the New York Times, British Vogue, and Time. She is a new mom living with her husband in Los Angeles. Thank you, Elaine, for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. So we just listened to this confession. And so from your POV, is this feeling unique or is it something that many people who are considering parenthood are feeling as well? You know, it's interesting. Um, I actually came into motherhood from a different perspective. I felt like what I was seeing on the Internet portrayed motherhood like through this veneer of perfection and ease and fashion and you know babies were presented (laughs) as like an accessory to your lifestyle and I felt that we were well overdue time to crack that veneer wide open to crack open conversations around motherhood that we weren't having enough to get more real to get more raw to share more of the underbelly to really more accurately depict this journey and to prepare aspiring moms for what really goes into bringing new life into this world, specifically, you know, starting with pregnancy, because to me, there's been this like really opaque cloak around the experience of pregnancy, right? Like you only ever see the cute belly pictures. You may hear a little bit about morning sickness, but that's it there's so much that you don't know about until it's your turn. And so for me, I actually felt like I needed to like crack open those conversations. I needed to be more real. I needed to like, I didn't want my pregnancy or my motherhood journey to perpetuate these like, you know, unrealistic standards of perfection that I had been fed. So if anything, it's a very interesting perspective that she's saying she feels like she's getting too much of the real and the raw and it's looking too real. I actually think that that means we've been making progress around this issue. You know, like I started this conversation series um, when I was pregnant called maternity, like spill the tea on the things people don't talk about. Because I felt alone in the struggle of pregnancy and this dizzying maze of like how to navigate this thing that was way harder than I thought it was going to be. And then on the flip side, I have found motherhood to be the greatest thing I've ever done. Like the greatest job I've ever taken up. Yeah. Like the most joyful thing I've ever embarked on. And, and so I think I have a very different perspective on this whole thing. So that, so what do you, I, I just, I feel like I need to say that up front as like a disclaimer 
Yeah, uh, I've yeah. arrived at this conversation. What do you two think? And are you both moms? Like, how do you arrive to the conversation? Yeah, so I'm not a mom. I see what you're saying, Elaine, of like, there has been this, you know, kind of shiny veneer on pregnancy and motherhood. Like, oh, look how wonderful this experience yeah. is. And, you know, like you're saying, like being a mother has been one of the most rewarding things you've ever done, I'm sure. But I see, you know, I've kind of seen this content too of like people reference all the time. There's a girl on TikTok who kind of does like a running list yeah. of all the things she didn't know about pregnancy that are like kind of terrifying. Yeah. And I have seen those. I have absorbed those. I have thought to myself, oh my God, yeah. um, that is so terrifying. And so I wonder, you know, you were talking about your own thing that you started maternity. And I'm wondering what kind of conversations you had throughout that series or what you learned that you were like, oh, I'm so happy this part of this has been demystified mm. for me. I mean, so I'm still doing maternity. I, I just did a an episode with Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein, the creators of the business of being born, which if you have not seen it, it is a documentary that will blow your mind. It completely changed my mindset on birthing it radicalized me in a lot of ways. It put me on the path to home birth. It really opened yeah. my eyes to the medical industrial complex that is responsible for the maternal mortality crisis. And so I really recommend that for anybody, it, whether you're an aspiring mom, a dad, a, a mother already, I think it's really never too late to open your eyes to the realities of the business of what it means to, to get born in this country. And, right. and so that's one thing that I have really been proud of demystifying is the world of home birth and the, the benefits of midwifery care and doula support and the life-saving, life-changing care that is available to us. But frankly, the work that needs to be done, the advocacy work that needs to be done yeah. to make that care accessible to more people in this country. So right. I think- becoming pregnant and becoming a mom opened my eyes to how broken our medical system is and yeah. um, how, yeah. right. Can I get an amen? Like, yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, it doesn't just affect pregnant people, birthing people. You know, we see it with ailing parents and, and, right. you know, somebody yeah. who deals with chronic illness. Like this is something that we need to talk about more in general but um, I think becoming a mom really was the first time I ever even thought about my health, frankly. And so I'm really proud of like cracking open those conversations. I think that home birth and just approaching motherhood through a more open-minded lens, feeling free to like explore your options and, and like how mm -hmm. you want to do motherhood by first being informed about all these other choices that you maybe didn't even know you had. And I think that's where we yeah. can get into the an answering this question or this dilemma or, you know, dealing with this person's confession. It's like, I think that we, there's been this prescribed role that we feel like we have to take up when we become mothers. And that looks no. crazy. Yeah. That looks like I don't yeah. have time for that. I have a career. I have a, a big life that I'm building. I don't have space for that version of motherhood that I am seeing online that looks scary as hell, overwhelming as hell, stressful as hell. I get that part. You know what I mean? Like I, I will just say yeah. like, I was a whole grown ass woman with a whole husband who's amazing and a, a home and a career. And even I was freaking out about what this would mean about disrupting the rest of my life. And I saw yes. it as an inconvenience. I really did. I was like the right. last friend 
to have a baby of all my like childhood friends that are still my best friends. Like they had babies in their twenties. Like they started having babies at like 25 and it couldn't have seen, <laughs> yeah, I can you know what I mean? Like it couldn't have like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm from Michigan. I got Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm from a small town <laughs> in the Bay area. So yeah, like some, many of them, like some of them married their high school sweethearts or like the guy they met right after high school. And I was like, no girl, I'm moving to New York. I'm building my career. I'm going to date all these dudes. And like, I want to become the dude I was taught to marry. Like I yeah, time yes, to yeah. become that, you know what I mean? And so I feel like before I became a mother, I looked at motherhood as an inconvenience, as a pain in yeah. the neck, as like, why would you elect to like ruin right. your life? Not ruin yeah. your life, but like, yeah. why would you elect to like have your life disrupted in such a permanent way. And I really felt like my life was going great. And like, I really enjoyed my marriage as it was. I felt a lot of trepidation about, about interrupting all of that, disrupting all of that. And so I want to like validate this person's fears and anxieties and like, Mm -hmm. say, I totally get it. it. It's a major life shift that, that you can't come back from. But what I will say to you is it's been Thank God I can report from the other side that it is <laughs> it is so much better than I thought it would be. It really is. Oh, that's amazing. Like it really is. As much as I really felt compelled to shine a light on the, you know, shadowy, dark, scary corners of this maze called yeah. motherhood, you know, throughout my pregnancy with maternity and and I really struggled to find a good caregiver. And mm-hmm, and I felt yeah. that it was really important to like open up those harder, tougher conversations. But yeah. I also think it's so important that we shine a light on how much better it could be than you ever expected. And also yeah. how you achieve that because there are the systems right. are not set up for mother, working mothers to win, right? Yeah. Like there's yeah. so much stacked against working moms in this country, no universal paid leave. Like we already talked about how up the medical system is there's yep. no mm-hmm. you know postpartum care i mean there, i could list for days all the problems in the world that like you know overwhelmingly impact working moms and moms in general and that is real you know that is very real yeah. but i think to take your power back you have to say what kind of mom do i want to be what kind mm-hmm. of household do i want to construct and in what ways do I need to unsubscribe from the played out constructs of motherhood that I have been fed my whole life that do not resonate, that do not align with the lifestyle I want to live? And remember yeah. that you're yeah. in charge. Like, yet there's a reality that there's a lot of systems that are set up against us. Absolutely. They're broken as f- they need us to desperately to fix them. But while we hold space for that, we need to hold space for like the agency we have to construct and build and design a life of our own that is fulfilling. And it starts with, frankly, for me, I don't want to like prescribe anything. (laughs) I don't want to like dictate. I am no, like, listen, I'm, I'm one year in in the game of motherhood. Okay. So (laughs) I got a lot to learn, but what I, what I'll say is like the biggest factor of my motherhood experience is the partner that I chose. And I chose a partner who signed up to not necessarily live by the status quo. We didn't want to play into these played out gender roles. 
We wanted to enter into a partnership where we could both show up as our full selves, bring our strength to the table, acknowledge our weaknesses, Mm -hmm. balance each other out. And like, in some ways, what I will say is like, I get to be the dad in the relationship (laughs) in terms of a practice, you know, if we're looking at this through a conservative traditional lens, like we are an untraditional couple and that works for us, you know? And in other ways, I totally lean into my traditional feminine role as a mom and I love it and I thrive. Like I'm yeah. the cuddler. Yeah. I'm the soft place to fall. I'm the nurturer. I'm the woo woo. Don't you know, don't, you know, I'm I'm like so <laughs> yeah. soft with my baby in a way that like yeah. yeah I've never been that soft and on any level in any other area of my life. And I love that my child yeah. has brought this out of me. I love that. But like I have not slowed down in work. My husband yeah. takes up the slack. If somebody's got a, you know, sacrifice uh, work for the baby if the babysitter or nanny's not available like we are set up in a way that we know Jonathan's going to be the first the go-to first mm-hmm. we, we yep. appreciate like the value that we both bring to this family we value our contributions equally we don't place expectations on each other based on some played out gender roles and I think that is yeah. why we feel so happy in parenting and like, and, and like so yeah. free and like, it feels yeah. fun and it feels like we're getting to like design this thing every day and learn what works best for us. So I think that's the place to start is like, figure out like, if it doesn't feel good, then unsubscribe. If you don't like following yeah. these, like if, mm-hmm. if it feels like you're doom scrolling, <laughs> then you can yeah. unfollow some of these moms. If you're not liking what yeah. they're putting yeah. out, follow people yeah. yes. who inspire you, who give you a different picture or like who depict motherhood in a way that resonates with you, that excites you. That seems like fun. You know, um, those are my, those no, are my this, thoughts. Is, <laughs> this is such good stuff. I mean, from like, as you mentioned earlier, the medical system is obviously so messed up for so many reasons, especially for maternity, just recognizing alone that pregnancy is a medical condition is like Mm -hmm. the bare minimum. And we just got there where I'm at right now. um, I'm in a relationship where, you know, considering kids one day is not here. But what I'm thinking about right now is egg freezing, and which Mm -hmm. is also a conversation that's just started. And also it's really expensive if you don't have care or, uh, you know, health care for that, that'll Mm -hmm. cover at least part of it. So, you know, I've, I've learned about that through social media. And I think, like you said, Elaine, like setting those boundaries and setting, you know, I don't like what this person is saying. I feel really uncomfortable about how they're doing that journey and how they're telling me to do my journey and like setting those boundaries and saying, I actually like that this person is teaching me about egg freezing and how to like get mm-hmm. to that point A to B and just yeah. taking ownership of that journey is the first step. Yeah, it's just a, a conversation we're just beginning and I'm so glad. And it sounds like you and your partner have finally found one kind of like an alignment in your partnership where you're able to, you know, be like, you know, we're doing this together. We're picking up slack like one another. And I'm wondering, how did those conversations go kind of early on? Did you start having those conversations before the baby arrived or like, how, did they evolve? How did that happen for you? Ooh, it's a really good question. I don't, we never really had the, you know, family planning conversation. If we had, maybe I wouldn't have been so shocked and freaked out (laughs) when I found out I was pregnant. And by the way, like, you know, spoiler alert, didn't plan this pregnancy. So no, we didn't have those conversations. But what we did have was a foundation of seven years together and Mm -hmm. a a year and a half married, I think, when we found out we were pregnant. I was pregnant. I hate when they say we. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So that was part of the freak out. You know, how are we going to do this? 
is like the biggest question. And it's all about figuring out what support you need to support the the lifestyle you want to have. And um, I feel incredibly grateful that I popped up pregnant at a time in my life where I could afford help. Right. It is the single most defining factor in my experience of motherhood, hands down. And I would be remiss to not say that up front because I I can't imagine being in a position where I truly was not ready to take this on financially. And, you know, I'm very pro-choice. I've always been very pro-choice. And and I mean that in a fundamental sense and in a literal sense and in a metaphoric sense, like I am pro women knowing all of their choices before, during, and after birth. I am pro women having access to all their options. And I became more pro-choice once I became a mom and I understood the major sacrifice that is motherhood. And I couldn't imagine forcing that on any person who is not ready to take it on. I was barely ready to take it on. And I, and I, I don't take that Mm -hmm. for granted. I have kind of all the privileges a black woman in this country could have. And even I was scared I might die in childbirth. Okay. That is real. Black women are dying three to four times at a higher rate than white women during, during and after childbirth. It's 12 times higher in the state of New York, which is where I lived for most of my career. Like there is a very real maternal mortality crisis. That's just the beginning of the journey, right? Like how are we going to get our baby here? Mm -hmm. Will we survive it? Right. That's just like level one. Then it's like, how are we going to sustain this life? And maintain our jobs and continue to excel in our careers and how are, how do we hold space for our ambition while we're nurturing a, a life like it, there's a there's so much to consider when we take on this major role of motherhood and i just think it's made me more like some people say like how could you possibly talk about being pro-choice when you now have a baby and you see how precious they are i'm like yep oh and i God. also see <laughs> how much work they are and how much and how much you sacrifice to bring them here and i think it should be a woman's choice to do that because the only way you can do it joyfully is if you're doing it from a place of readiness you know and and willingness to take that challenge on so yeah i think for me and my husband we i'm so grateful that we were on the same page about like unsubscribing from traditional mm-hmm. gender roles unsubscribing from what it what it has traditionally meant to be a mom or a dad and to take yeah. on the parts of the role of parents that excite us the most that make us that w- where we're yeah. the strongest like bt dubs like this sounds almost like silly but i'm like how am i gonna cook for someone three times a day when i don't even know how to yeah. feed okay. myself yes yeah. that is real yeah <laughs> For on Grubhub, is there like a baby tag? Like a baby, a baby yes. Yeah, where do I get my puree? <laughs> oh my can god. You, I'm like seriously. I'm like, can I um can I Grubhub baby food? Like what exactly. like you know, and so what what we've worked out is like we have an amazing nanny. And I don't think here's the thing, people don't talk about their support systems enough because there is this yeah. fear of of sounding out of touch and privileged and, and unrelatable. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Every successful woman in a Mm -hmm. high powered role that I have spoken to ain't doing it alone. Whether you know that or not, whether they show you that on their social medias or not, let's be clear. There is an invisible labor force 
behind them that is allowing them to be the force that they are in the world. So let's let's start to name and claim that and and own that yeah. because if not, we are setting up a generation of you know women and reformed girl bosses, air quotes, for thinking that <laughs> they got to take this all on their own. Like the reality is, it takes a support system. And by the way, I say this as somebody who literally. I didn't know anyone who had a nanny growing up. Nanny, I didn't even know yeah, what a nanny yeah. was. I couldn't, I couldn't define that. I'd be like, what the hell is a nanny? Is that what you call your grandma? Like, like, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Like, I didn't come from a privileged background <laughs> yeah. where people had nannies. So the idea that like, I would have to look for a nanny and need a nanny mm-hmm. was a transition for me. I was like, I didn't even, I felt icky about it. I, I felt like it was a shameful thing to say, like, I'm going to have a nanny. I don't even, I don't even know what a nanny is. Like there's going to be someone in my house helping me raise my kid. What does that say about me as a mom? Like, are people going to judge me? Is my mom going to judge me? My mom didn't have a nanny. My mom worked my whole life. So did my dad. They didn't need that. So I had to get over a lot of like that stuff too. Like the judgment that was really Mm -hmm. self-imposed and just say, Mm -hmm. no, like I am proud of where I'm at in my life. And I want to be a good mom that doesn't. And for me, that means somebody who's not resentful of their child and what they had Mm -hmm. to give up to bring their child here. So if, if me needing to hire some support is going to keep me happy, like, you know, they say happy wife is a happy life. I think a happy mom is a happy household. I'm like, my happiness has to be prioritized. My fulfillment matters. It matters for my kid. It matters for my husband. It matters for our union. So like, I am, I'm proud to be able to be on this side of that journey now to say like, no, Hey, we have help. She helps make that baby food that I can't figure out how to order on Grubhub. Right. Taught me a lot. She helps us keep this child alive. And I show up for this child in all the ways that I am built for and the ways that mm. I'm not, I look to my village and my village shows up for yeah. me. And I want that for every mom. And I know, unfortunately, in this broken world with all these broken systems, like that's not possible for every mom. And so yeah. we got to be mm. honest about that, talking about that. Mm-hmm. And like, what is the mm-hmm. advocacy work we need to do to get to a place where yep. that kind of support is accessible for more moms? And maybe it's not an in-home nanny. Maybe it's just accessible, affordable childcare. Like this mm-hmm. is where you start to understand why they say you know, what's personal is political, what's political is personal. Mm -hmm. Because like, you start to finally, I feel like if you've gone through your whole life and never seen how policy impacts your day to day life, become a mom, you will wake up quick. You will become the quickest activated activist ever. You'll be like, Oh, Mm -hmm. hell no, we need to change some because we need some more support, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon, when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Can I ask, Elaine, like, I feel like you hit on something really interesting here because it feels like traditionally the idea of becoming a mom is kind of like the stereotypical thought or belief in the past. Maybe it's a bit dated. It's like you become a mom and then all of a sudden everyone else's happiness is more important than your own. The happiness of your kid, the happiness of your husband or partner, whoever it is. And it seems like you have really created a marriage in which like and a family in which you get to prioritize your own happiness. And I wanted to hear more about like how you do that in like a practical sense. Like what does that look like in a day-to-day setting? Well, I'll also, I just want to add that like, I think we have set up a lifestyle where all of our happiness is prioritized equally. I, I think you have to like build a system to support the happiness that you're seeking, you know? And like, what does fulfillment look like for yeah for yeah. me now? What does fulfillment look like for my husband now? Um, we are in yeah. the middle of a transition yeah. into this parenting thing. And I think there are seasons where we maybe over-index on sacrificing mm, certain yeah. things and then we course correct along the way and we go mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. i'm feeling like i haven't had the space to create or to be creative and i need some physical space to be able to like step away and and like be myself be me create things and like yeah. my husband mm-hmm. is a musician and so okay here's a good practical example when we found out we were pregnant we were renovating our house, our first home that we just bought together about like a year before that. And the room that we had designated for my husband's studio, music studio in the house, uh-huh. he lost that room. He, he, he it became, it be, It's a nursery. Yeah, it became the nursery. And so he got kicked out and we had to kind of put the whole like home studio thing on the back burner. We had to set up the yeah. nursery mm-hmm. and get the baby here and rush to finish the rest of the house before the baby got here. By the way, like the baby came before the house was done, we were in a rental. We moved in with a three-week-old <laughs> oh baby. Gosh. It was chaotic. Oh my god! <laughs> so needless to say, his music studio was on the was like on the back burner. It was not top of mm-hmm. mind for anyone. But he absorbed that, and now we're in a stage of right sizing that imbalance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we have just spent. I just got chills because I feel. I, I get emotional about it because of the ways in which he's sacrificed and shown up for this family held me up at a time when I needed it. Like I've never, been, there's never been a more vulnerable time in my life or a more needy time in my life than being pregnant and bringing a child into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. my husband mm-hmm. stood in the gap for us and he held me together and he, he sacrificed a lot to give this family what we needed. Yeah. And so now that I'm feeling stronger, I'm a year postpartum now. I'm finally feeling like I'm getting my life force back. I have the capacity Mm -hmm. now to say, what do you need? What do you need to be fulfilled? And so we have just spent Mm -hmm. the last like couple months setting up his home music studio. You guys, it is so swaggy. There we go. It's, you know, we're a year and maybe two years later, like, cause the baby was conceived nine months before it was born. He was born. So like, we're like almost two years later. But we we honored our commitment to giving him this space to create, and it's so awesome. And now he's and he said to me, you know, I think a lot of this comes down to communicating, like identifying first in yourself, what is it that I need to feel whole, in order to bring my best self to this partnership and to my parenting mm. role, right? Like, what do I need? You have to identify that for yourself. No one has that crystal yeah. ball. Yeah. You can't expect anyone else to to name your needs for you. 
So yeah. we both have had to do that work. And then you got to like, you got to like name it. You got to say it out loud. You got to like, yeah. you got to advocate mm-hmm. for yourself within the relationship and within the family. And so he, he came to me and said like, I need this physical space to create. Boom. We created it. He has it. It's dope yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, now I need the like psychological space to create. So can we switch up our schedule with the nanny? And can we do like, let's have the nanny for three days a week. And then I'll take the baby for two days a week. That way I have whole entire uninterrupted days to be able Mm, to create and I can do the same and I'm often traveling and stuff. So sometimes I'm not even here. Mm -hmm. So he needs to know that like, if he's going to be, as they say, Mr. Mom, which I totally reject by the way, like, cause Right. He's, he's like Mr. Parent and I'm and, and I'm Mrs. Parent and we both hold our weight. We, we carry our weight. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, because there, my work requires me to travel. He needs to know that like he has dedicated time to do his work here and that he's not going to constantly be pulled away back into the dad role. And so we did that. I was like, yeah. absolutely. Let's switch it up. Let's try that. And so now we're in this, yeah. this mm-hmm. new season of testing out and experimenting this new way, this new model. And if it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, yeah. we're going to keep tweaking it until we get there. Because if he's not happy, yeah. our marriage mm-hmm. isn't going to be happy. If our marriage isn't happy, we're not going to show up as happy people in our parenting sphere and our yeah. and our child is going to yeah. feel that. Yeah. So I think like the ecosystem has to be healthy, you know? Yeah. So when we talk about the division of labor in homes too, it's interesting because there was a 2020 Gallup poll that found that most couples, even in age 18 to 34, are no more likely to divide the chores evenly in their household than older generations. So basically it's saying like younger couples are statistically no better at this than older couples, which I find really interesting. And I wonder, Elaine, like what have you seen in your work around this issue when it comes to those gender dynamics and I was just wondering if you had any experience with that. Wow. Um, that is, that's pretty alarming. I think we all have a lot to learn from same-sex couples because mm, yeah. you know, they, they show up to their relationships unencumbered by gender roles and they can just show up as themselves and work to be them their best selves and contribute equitably in whatever way that looks for them. Like, and I, I have to say like, that's the way my relationship is set up. I recognize that unfortunately, you know, now in hearing data like that, especially that maybe we are in the minority, but I hope that we get to see more models of this idea of freeing yourself from these stereotypical roles within the household so that Mm -hmm. you can remember your own agency in designing your relationship the way that you want it to be, you know, just because we've inherited these roles or these stereotypes or these ideals of you know, that come with being husband and wife or girlfriend and boyfriend or mom and dad. It doesn't mean that we have to live by those limitations. So you've partnered with Pureleaf Ice Tea for their second year into their no grants program, which seeks to help mothers with financial burden they may face when they're saying no to doing it all. Um, So how do you feel like this kind of grant program will alleviate the unequal division of labor among parents? I am. I'm so glad you asked about this, because honestly, I feel like this is a dream come true partnership that I feel like I manifested when I started maternity. I was like, right. Yeah. Oh, my God. I literally said this. I was like, I called my my agents. This is the only time I've ever like proactively like manifested something like this where I'm just like. There's certain Mm. problems in our life 
that if we could just throw money at them, they would go away. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh God, that's real. Like, yeah. real. like I, I grew up in my twenties where I was like, money doesn't buy happiness. And that is true yep. for sure in one respect, but in another respect, I'm like, you know what money does buy though? It buys convenience. It buys us yep. comfort and it buys us time. And for moms, yep. there is nothing that we need more than time. And so I want mm-hmm. my husband to be happy and have a place to work and thrive. And I also don't have freaking time to go clean that area and organize that area and yep. set it yep. all up. So if with an extra $2,000, which is what this grant opportunity is, like I can hire an organizer to come and get this area set mm-hmm. up and take that off of my freaking plate. And yeah. this is the kind of freedom. We want these no grants to feel like the one opportunity that moms have to unapologetically say no to being overwhelmed yeah. and to have the resources to be able to throw money at a problem to make it go away so that you can pour back mm-hmm. into yourself and you can show yeah. up as an even better mom. And and when I say that, like, I feel like I manifested this and I feel like it's a dream partnership come true. It's because like I started maternity uh, to spill the mm-hmm. tea on all the things <laughs> that we don't talk about enough in this motherhood journey. But I realized in building this community of new moms and aspiring moms and moms who've been doing this a long yeah. time, but are looking for new ways of doing this and navigate this, like what we need even more than conversation and community and support, which we need is like financial resources that can actually tangibly help us show up differently in, in our lives. And, and unfortunately, we already said that the systems in this country are set up for working moms to fail, to feel like failures. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. really hard because society has set up this construct for moms to feel like, they have to take on the mental, emotional, physical burden of motherhood, mostly on their own and, you know, Mm -hmm. hold up the whole family. Even when they feel like falling apart, it feels like that's your job. It's almost like we've been, we've been duped into thinking of motherhood as martyrdom. And, and yet there's no system set up for moms, working moms in particular to be able to do it all. Right. Like, So that's where I feel like until our policies shift and that support becomes possible on a systemic level, we need companies to step up. We need the private sector to Mm -hmm. step up. If you are serving parents and mothers in particular, you have a responsibility to those mothers. How are you showing up for them? And this, Mm -hmm. in this way, it feels so good to partner with a company that really is putting their money where they say their values are and they're showing up for moms in this tangible way. So this is an opportunity for moms all over this country who feel overwhelmed, overworked. This is an opportunity Mm -hmm. for you to raise your hand, say, I need some help, apply for this grant and you have the opportunity to win, not win, but you have the opportunity to get $2,000 that you can use at your discretion to just alleviate your, your load. And I really do hope that this model is something that other companies that serve moms in particular step up and get inspired by and and hopefully hopefully it's a model that becomes replicated in a lot of different other spaces. So I'm really proud to be a part of it. That's amazing. 
people even off of social media, I feel like um, whether they're other moms or maybe your parents' friends or something like that, they always want to stick your nose in your business, whether it's about parenting or not. Mm. Was there an experience where someone like gave you unsolicited advice when you were pregnant and you were like, I wish you just didn't do that? <laughs> and then on the flip side too, what was the best advice that you heard before becoming a parent that you still embrace? That's such a good question. And I think it's a sign of progress that I struggle to think of a moment where someone said something off the wall to me about... Oh my God, that's amazing. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I really was bracing myself for that because I heard that from so many different moms. Like people are going to say some Mm -hmm. wild to you, just tune it out. Like don't internalize it. So I was ready. I was ready to like, you know, debate with people or, you know, check people on the spot. (laughs) And honestly, I have to say, you know, People didn't mess with me. They didn't say anything crazy to me online, in my DMs, like in, in real life. I mean, it could possibly be because I was pregnant during the pandemic. So I didn't really see that many people. So I felt like I was in this very insulated bubble. And I feel like I've curated a really supportive community of folks online who um, are very yeah. like-minded and very conscious. And so I really feel like I mean, I know I might be in the minority here, but I hope that I represent like, you know, where we're moving, where people are more, more mindful of what they say to pregnant women and mothers. I haven't been mom shamed yet. Knock on wood. Watch. It's going to happen today. Knock on wood. It's going to happen today. (laughs) But um, I'll say like, I am almost like Mm. anticipating being judged, like even in sharing like a nanny thing or like even speaking about that, like I do have to admit that I have internalized this fear of being judged. And yeah. like I feel really vulnerable sharing that because um, I don't want to be judged. And I, I don't right. want someone to perceive me as, I don't know, anything other than what I am, which is a woman who yeah. is out here trying to set my family up in the best possible way yeah. and for the health of everyone involved, you know? And so I hope that this is a, you know, an audience that can appreciate that kind of honesty and, that mm-hmm. acknowledgement of privilege mm-hmm. in the context of like recognizing we need to fight for that kind of support for all women, all working mothers. Um, so that's what I have to say about that part. And then in terms of the best advice, you know, the best advice that I got was from my midwife who was there by my bedside, holding my hand, counseling me through my many spirals and meltdowns about like the fear of what I would be giving up as I journeyed into motherhood. And she would say to me, she would hold my hand and she would like cock her head to the side and just look at me so tenderly and just say, Elaine, trust me on this. Babies bring blessings. Mm. They bring blessings. That's so sweet. And it was just so, it sounds so simple, but sometimes like the simplest truths resonate the deepest and yeah. And there was just in that moment, like a, she was extending me the opportunity to have faith that yeah. it could play out better than my worst anxieties would ever lead me yeah. to believe mm-hmm. and to, and to like choose not to give in to the anxieties, but to choose faith and to choose hope and to choose that it could be really, it could be even better than I imagined. And you know what? She was right. Yeah. As cheesy as Aww. it sounds. And like, you know, it's not without challenge, but man, my baby has brought some of the best blessings of my entire life. You know, I'm like here to say it can be better than you think on the other side 
of the scary, you know, like the scary invitation of motherhood. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, I hope that's like salve for this particular woman's like open wound as she's like trying to deal with the fear of it yeah. all. It's like, yeah. just allow for the possibility that it could be better than you expect. Babies do bring blessings. Yeah, shout yeah. out Elaine's doula. Kimberly Durden, <laughs> shout out to my shout name, out. Kimberly <laughs> Durden at Kindred Space LA. She is the co-founder of the only Black-owned birthing center in all of Southern California. She wow, is a badass. She is doing the Lord's wow. work every single day. And I would not, mm-hmm. I truly, she, she changed my life in so many ways. Like I would not be out here doing this work around with Black maternal mortality. Um, I would not be advocating for maternal health. I would not be going to D.C. to talk to lawmakers about this if it wasn't for the absolute best care that I received from this woman who changed my life at the most vulnerable time. And yeah, she's an example of how much better it can be if we fund midwives and birthing centers Mm. and doulas who are there to support women during this radical transition in, in our lives. Um, We have one little segment for you at the end. So in researching this episode, I went down a Reddit hole and read a bunch of new dad posts on Reddit. (laughs) It's a really interesting place if you've never been there. Um, But so uh, what I'm going to do is for you and Emma, I want you both to guess. Um, I'm going to give you titles. It's either an actual post from a dad Reddit thread or it's just satire. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So this is the first one. The title is Watching Bluey and Drinking Wine. And so for anybody who's not familiar with kids shows yet, Bluey is, I think, a dog. um, It's like a cartoon show. So this person, the title was Watching Bluey and Drinking Wine. Is this a real dad post or is it just satire? I think it's real. Yeah. 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 It is a new dad post and it was actually really sweet. Um, This is a dad of a five-month-old who wrote just like a very emotional post. Um, he was watching Bluey and drinking wine with his new son, and he was just saying how worried he was at the beginning that he wouldn't attach to his baby when the baby first mm-hmm. arrived. And now that he's just – he finally just, like, feels it. He calls the baby his little potato, and he's sitting there with the wine, and he just, like – it was a moment he just, like, wanted to share with the other new dads that so he finally cute. felt attached. And I thought it was just that so That is so <laughs> sweet. I love that. Yeah. The second one is – um Got pooped on for the first time today, but just look at her. Is this a real post or is that's this real? That's real deal, holy film. <laughs> yeah, you think so, Emma? I think so too. Yeah, I think yeah. when you, I imagine when you are a parent, not having been one myself, I imagine that your baby is so freaking cute. Yeah, even when it poops literally all over you, you're like, this is the light yeah. of my life. Yeah, Elaine's <laughs> nodding. She's like, yeah. I can attest, you guys. I have to say, my number one fear, even before, how the hell am I going to feed this thing three times a day? Or more, actually. It's by the way, guys. Spoiler alert: It is more than three times a day that you got to feed these uh, these oh people, <laughs> these little people. But my number one fear was poop. I am not a poop person. I just don't do it. And part of my agreement with my husband that we did make sure to set up was like, I'm gonna bring the baby here, but you got to change the poopy diapers. Like I don't, I don't yeah. do poop. But you guys, I am now a poop person. I. Yes, this is the most radical transformation <laughs> of my life is that like this is this is kind of gross and my dad will is like the most grossed out when he sees this but I actually take pictures of all the poopy diapers so that I could compare Amazing. the poop and make sure right. that the baby's healthy. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I'm proud yeah. of oh, yeah. the poop that comes out of my baby like that is great. Yes, yeah. that's real. Yeah. That's real love. 
It really is. Wow, a poop journal. I love that. I love Write that, that down, everyone. Yeah, get that poop journal. <laughs> um, the third one is, I sang the wheels on the bus for a half hour straight. Is this a, a real dad post or is it satire? That is real. That's real? That's everyday real. thing. That's real? Mm-hmm. Yep. Half uh, an hour seems tame even. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one is real. Um, this person said, my three-week-old wouldn't stop crying unless I rocked her and sang the wheels on the bus. Anytime I tried to sing something else, she started crying again. I only know two verses of the song, so I made up a bunch of verses. Eventually, I was just describing things in the room to the tune of the song. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. That's that is so, I love that. In my house, it's um, row, row, row your boat. Oh, it, yes. He literally wakes up in the morning going, row, 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 oh. row. <laughs> All he wants is for everyone to sing row, row, row your boat. So I feel this dad deeply. Yeah, I love that's that. adorable. This one is shitty life pro tips. Uh, park your baby at a water slide and the screams just blend into the background as you relax. Is this satire or is this an actual new dad post? I'm worried this is real. Yeah, I'm like, it could be satire. It could be true. I think it's true. I think it's true. Okay, this is actually a trick question. So it is okay. a new dad post. But it's also, he's kind of joking about it. It was, they were literally just on vacation and it was a picture of the baby in front of like a water slide and it was, yeah. So they were, they were vibing. The baby is sleeping. Everybody's fine. But it was a little bit of a mix of the both of them. And the last one, my son seems to save his big nappy rippers, especially for me. I've nicknamed him Thunderpants. Is this real or is it It's real. All of these are real. It's real. All the poop. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. It's real. Yep. They're they're actually all real. (laughs) It's just like... This is the parenting era. Yeah. Man, can we just shout out dads for a minute? And I mean like the new, this new generation of dads, because I have a belief that we are about to have the best generation of dads that we've seen yet. And thank God for that. Exactly. Yes. And on a, yeah, on a serious note, like looking for all these Reddit posts, like it was just kind of heartening to see that all of these who I imagine are cishet men are on this forum and they felt, I I think I even saw a post about this. Like someone was just so grateful for being able to, in a world that still has that toxic masculinity and it's hard Mm -hmm. to share feelings and hard to share vulnerabilities as a man. People were so grateful just for even having these online forums where they could talk to other dads across the world. And it was just, I I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So sweet. I might have to find myself on a new dad's. Yeah. That sounds good. Go down it. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Elaine. Thank you so much for your time. This has been amazing. Thank you guys for inviting me on. This is awesome. Cosmo Confessions is made in collaboration with Edit Audio. I'm your host, Mia Lardier. This episode was produced by Mia Lardier, Ali Sirwa, and Maria Passingham. It was edited, mixed, and mastered by Ali Sirwa. Thank you to our production manager, Kathleen Speckert, and our executive producer, Steph Colburn. As always, thank you to the whole Cosmo and Edit Audio teams for their time and input. And an extra special shout out to our guests and to you for listening. Now, tell us your secrets. Link is in the show notes. Secrets, secrets are no fun unless you tell me one.